you know, this morning I really want to, I know we started a new series last week just called The Comeback. And, you know, this morning I'm going to talk about when darkness falls. How many of you know that we all have times when just darkness and things hit us and we're not expecting it? Anybody ever have that? You ever feel like we call it blindsided? Anybody ever been blindsided before? And, you know, what I want to do, you know, any of you have ever been in a situation where just darkness falls and you just kind of can't see the light and you kind of go, where, where's the out? Where's the exit? Anybody feel like that way? Or you kind of go, I want out of this, you know, not, not, not a year from now, but now. And, you know, sometimes we can, we, we see it uh, coming. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just out of the blue, but certain circumstances change. But uh, I want to talk to you about that place today. And last week, I know that uh, Pastor Jamie just shared, you know, the common thread to, uh, that we all have for Jesus, uh, whatever situation we find ourselves in or whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. And uh, there, we know that, that, that God can show up and that some of you, you I mean, we see that Jesus is the comeback. He is the common He's the common thread of the comeback that we all have. But some of us can't have a, com- a comeback. You go, what do you mean, Pastor Bob? I mean, because, you know, you, you can't start your business over. You can't, ha- you can't bring a loved one that passed away back. You know, so there's not that, 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 that comeback. But we can't. I just want to I want you to understand this. You, you may not be able to start over again, but you can have a new start again. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about. All of us uh, who put our faith in Jesus, there's a few things I want to just talk about that we know that we all have in common this morning. And is uh, how many of you know that, that you weren't good enough, but God loved you anyway? I know that I wasn't good enough, but God just loved me anyway. I know that, that I didn't earn what, I, what God has given me in salvation, but it was through his grace that we can all find forgiveness and we can find the grace, the power that we tried to do. How many of you tried to do, make yourself better? How many of you did your best? Look where it landed you. You go, man, I need help. I need out of this. And God came with his grace. God, grace means the ability to do what you cannot do in your own power, that God comes with his power and gives you the ability to do what you couldn't do. Amen? It's through our weaknesses, like the scripture says, it's through our weaknesses that he's been able to make, be made strong. Amen? And so this morning, you know, I've never, I, I, I have never done enough to get back. You know, some of us, we've never done enough to get back to God, but God did enough to meet us right where we are. You know, and he said because of his life, his death and his resurrection, these are just things that we all know that we have in common. I am forgiven of my sins. Aren't you glad for that? And not only that, I've been washed. I've been cleansed. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was sitting with a guy. I was at this exclusive hunting place this past week. I just had the privilege to go and I got invited. And, and I mean, it's I mean. What can I say? It's just like incredible. I mean, they have a man cave, just a man cave with a bathroom and the bar and the pool table and all the mounts and the beams and everything. Just a man cave. It's not even the place you stay. I'm not going to say the name. It's a historic place. It was a million and a half dollars to build that. Like two years ago, I'm like, dang, I could build a house. I could build a neighborhood. Anyway. But here I am, and they have this cook that works there, and he's up late, and I'm waiting for Pastor Jacob because he's lost, and we're trying to get him to the place to find out where he is. He's in the middle of the marsh, and, you know, and, and it's like, and, you know, I'm trying to help him, and then I'm trying to help him. I'm talking to the cook, and he's a young guy, and, and I begin to share with him about the grace of God. 
And just that portion where, and he said, you know, when I shared my testimony and I shared about the grace of God in my life, how I confessed my sins and he was faithful and he was just to forgive me and to cleanse me. And then he just goes this, he goes, at the end, he goes, man, I feel something. I said, it could be the grace of God calling you out. You know, and just been able to minister to him. And see, I believe this because all of us who believe that can have a miracle comeback story. Amen. And so I want to share, I want, I want to make sure that we understand there's no two sides of the road. Sometimes we go, well, there's two sides. There's the good people and there's the bad people. There's the people that the church goers and the hell raisers. And then, you know, we're all on the same side of the road. Amen. We're all dead and done apart from the mercy of God. You know, because we look at it. I love what Jesus said when he looked at the Pharisees and he said, man, he's telling a parable and he's telling the guys, he's going, hey, guys. And he's kind of getting to them. He goes, he's, it's a wedding feast and he's inviting all these people. And, and he says, you know what? The sinners are going to come. Those that are down and out. And then he's looking at them. He said, in fact, they're going to be first. And you're going to be last in line. In fact, he said, they're going to judge you. Can you imagine that? I mean, you know, you're a religious guy. And you go, what? Leroy, the drunk is going to judge me? No, if Leroy, the drunk meets the gospel, meets Jesus and finds the gospel, Leroy can be changed. Amen. And Leroy can preach to you and Leroy can tell you what God did. He might not give you all the fixings and how to do things, but he met Jesus and Jesus changed his life. Amen. And that's what has to happen for all of us. And I believe that's the miracle of comeback stories. And see, being, becoming a believer in Christ is a huge miracle by itself. I mean, we could all go around the room and man, by the end of, we would talk, tell our story and go, this is how I met Jesus. You know, I mean, you could be someone that was totally lost, totally whatever, or you could be a goody, goody. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And that's where we all were. Are y'all with me? If you don't know who I am, my name's Pastor Bubba. Okay. Uh, and you know, Pastor Jamie, how many of you've never heard me preach? I just never heard me. Praise God. I'm glad. All right. Guess I'll be, I'm actually, the, I'm Pastor Jamie's pastor and Cheryl's pastor. And I actually live in Jennings, but we're one church with three campuses. And this is, uh, this is our first church plant right here. And I'm so proud of Jamie and Cheryl, what God has done with them. And they finally moved here. Praise God. And uh, so now you see them in Walmart. Now you see if they have a flat tire, help Cheryl anyway. But, uh, you know, it's like uh, maybe maybe some of you don't know my story, but I feel like today is like um, I believe I needed to share some of my personal story that I've walked through in the last five years. And um, what happens in here it is what happens when darkness falls, you know, uh, it's my story that it's it's not my story that's important. <laughs> it's important I tell you the story because my comeback is just a reality of what God can do in someone's life. You know, five years ago, you know, uh, everything was going great. I just got back from Africa and I go there every year and I've been invited and we've had many people that have gone, gone and lived there for a while and spent, sowed their life and and we know Pastor Willem and Celeste are going to be here in March. And one of them are going to come preach at the campus here. 
and uh, we just have a great relationship with them. And I just gotten back and I was running. I, I run about four miles. I hadn't been doing that in about the last year just because of doctor's orders. But they did give me an okay, but hunting season kicked in. But so I'm walking the marsh, so that's like running. And um, what happened is I'd come back and uh, I went to the bathroom. You know, when you run, you got to clean yourself a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I went up there and I went to the bathroom and... Um, and when I got up, there was blood there in the toilet. And I thought, I got a parasite. Or let me just tell you this. I hate to tell you this, but I'm, gonna tell you about, I'm, I'm probably like my dad. My dad had hemorrhoids. He always had preparation H on the back of the toilet ever since I can remember. I guess it's happening to me now. You know what I mean? And I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Thinking all this, and I tell Tracy, and she kind of goes, whoa, that ain't good. You're over 50, and you need, you need to go to the doctor. And I'm like, if you're like me, I'm just a humble man. I'm never stubborn. And, uh, yeah, right. And uh, I just go, I ain't going to no doctor. I ain't going to no doctor, you know. And so I go to the doctor, and we go, we go to Lake Charles, and I do, go to the doctor, and they do the scope on you. And when they do the scope, they, they kind of just tell you, you know, they it, like where we were, it was kind of like cattle. It was kind of like a cattle trough. You know, they were running people through, and then they have little sheets with it or the, the dividers, and and they're coming back, and you can hear them through the sheets after you've been doing it. Hey, we had did the test. We had some some polyps there. We took them off, but you're okay, and and all that. And then we're kind of like the last ones, and I'm like still kind of half whatever. And they go in. So the story is, they go. We found a pot. We found a tumor. And we, it looks like it could be cancer. And, you know, everybody, you know, people are talking before and then you can hear everybody going. It's quiet. And then we're driving back and. And. Um, long story short, we get back home. I'm tired for the medication. They put me out and I fall asleep. They call and they call and my wife answers the phone and they tell her. He, he does have cancer. And what happened is I wake up from my nap and she's like waiting for me for like an hour and a half or whatever. Huh? That's not how it happened. Okay. You want to get up here and tell the story? I mean, I'm just, anyway, what happened is she came and I got up and she told me this, what happened. It had cancer. And, you know, I'll just be honest with you that night. I'll just, can I just say something? Um, and then we went to the doctor and we confirmed it. And the first thing I did when the doctor confirmed that I did have cancer is I just dropped to my knees and I go, God, I trust you. I trust you. And I got up from my knees and I looked at the doctor and I said, Doc, I just want to, I'm going to, I said, I just want to let you know this is a journey, just like it's a journey for me and my wife and my family. It's a journey for you to see what God can do. And, um, you know, at that confirmation, I put my little girl to bed, and that was kind of emotional because, you know, it was just the confirmation and all that stuff. And we put our kids to bed and pray over them. And that night I was just thinking, you know, that you know how the devil works? Anybody know? And he's telling you, you'll never see her. You'll never walk her down the aisle. And she's talking to me, and she didn't know all the emotions that are going on inside of me. You understand what I'm saying? And then my wife and I, we get in bed, and can I be honest with you? We cried. We just cried. We cried together. And we just held hands, and we stopped at that moment, and we just, 
we just begin to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and pray for one another. And, you know, it's like, and then, you know, I went through that, had surgery, and a year later, you know, they said, well, the kind of thing you had is, is, is my colon. They said, the kind of thing you have, it's like, you don't have to do chemo. and It's like a, a, a very low percentage. And I talked to a few doctors. I, I think you'll be all right. And friends, I think you'll be all right. You, you know what I mean? And so I went for the year checkup. When I went for the year checkup, and I told the church, hey, I'm cancer-free, you know, and all this stuff. And went for the year checkup. And they found three spots in my liver because I'd done the, all the CT scans and all that other fun stuff. And, and they put you through the big ring thing, the ringer. And, uh, and what they did, you know, they did all that. And, you know, I'm like, we're in shock. I, can I just tell you, we're in shock. And we're like, well, we're just going to trust God. And they tell us what they're going to do. At that point, it's stage four colon cancer in my liver because it traveled to another place. And uh, what they did is we, we went through chemotherapy for six months and uh, my hair stayed in mostly. And uh, and what happened is they ended up doing major surgery. I mean, I'm cut from here to here. And they went in there and took those places, that one place they couldn't see, find or whatever. And, and it felt like they got everything and everything was looking good. And then I went for another checkup a little time after all that. And they found another spot, a spot that they couldn't find kind of manifested itself. In the meantime, I had um, uh, uh, surgery. I had, they had a re, uh, what is it? Because the chemotherapy didn't allow the cut to heal properly on the inside. I had, a, I had hernias that they had to go back and repair. And so that was fun. And uh, then what they did is we'll do, we're going to do a procedure and it's going to be where we go in there and we radio, they, they're going to radioactive treat or through a needle, go in there and kind of, that spot and they're going to shoot radiation and he's going to kill it, you know? And I'm like, all right, we're going to kill that sucker. And, you know, they, they give you a little bit of time and they go back and they check it and they said, all right, I, did we kill, did you kill it and all this stuff? And they go, no, it's still there. And we're going to have to do surgery on that right before I was going to have surgery. This is up between, this is like four years. Okay. This span. And, and right before I was going to do surgery for that, I was supposed to go to Africa and do all those things. And, go there to be with Pastor Villam and stuff. And I'd been to Africa, other places between that, that time and England and all that. And uh, are y'all with me? Okay. And I have a point while I'm sharing all this story. And I'm, but what happened in the middle of all that, right before I was going to go have surgery, they started doing a test on me. And what they did is they found out, long story short, they found out that I had mel- uh, uh, multiple myeloma, which is cancer in your bone marrow which is not even related to the, to the other. You understand what I'm saying? It's not even like, what? And so, you know, I go in and have the surgery for this. And what happens is um, just uh, they do the surgery. Everything goes well. They got it. They feel like they got it and had enough space around it to be able to take it all out and everything. And then, you know, um, and so like right after I got out of the hospital for that, my blood pressure just went like, it's like it went down, like drastically down. And then my wife, you know, called the doctor because I'm 
I've got the chills and stuff and I got all this stuff because during all this time, let me tell you something. I'm having dreams. I'm taking medication they want you to take. And you're having hallucinations in your dreams. You got, you got the spirit of death coming and wrap its cords around you. I'm rebuking the devil I'm, it, by, by the word of God in my dreams. My wife, my wife can tell you that's true. She can hear, she can hear me praying and talking at, at night. And, 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 and it's like I remember dogs chasing me and waking up and go, get up. You know, I mean, just all that stuff. And I get through done with this last surgery, and what happens is uh, I'm I'm got the chills, and my wife calls the doctor. She checks my blood pressure, and doctor goes, and I'm telling my wife, I ain't going to the hospital. I am not going to the hospital. You can call the doctor. I'll tell that doctor no. So she gets the doctor on the phone. Literally gets the doctor on. Bubba, you need to come out. I'm not going. I'm not going to that. No, you need to go. We, we, you could be septic. This could be bad. This could be, you know, we don't, you don't need to be going. And I'm septic. What's septic, Tracy? You know, I don't know any of those terms. You know, she's telling me. And I'm like, I don't want to go. And I'm like a little kid, you know, I don't want to go. So I end up going. We wait in the emergency room all night. I got the chills, you know, they didn't even see me until the next day. And then they, they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to, they're going to, we're going to put you on this machine and this, uh, and we're going to take a, we're going to see what's going on inside of you. And they take the machine, they take me in the machine. I'm awake. Okay. And they go, and then we see that there's some kind of like blood and there could be infection in this blood right, right in here. And we need to go in there with a needle. We're going to mark it. And we're going to, it was like, they put an X on it. You know, if you're a hunter, they put, they, they scope me out. All right. And they got an X, and we're going to stick this needle. It's about this long. No exaggeration. I'm not telling you a fishing story. And and what they go, we're going to do this, and we're going to see what's in there. And so, you know, my wife explained if it's green, you know, it could be bad, if it's this and all that. So, you know, they stick it in me, and like I'm awake. And he, and he goes <laughs> with this thing, and he pulls it out. I got it all. <laughs> He's showing me. I got it all. Like, Thanks, Doc. And, and he goes, he goes, I don't see any infection in this. Now, my doctor, I'm supposed to go to Africa like in six weeks or something like that, four weeks. And she's like, you know, and I get out of that. And, he, you know, she goes, well, you're going to have to cancel it. You have to cancel your trip. You know, I don't think you need to be going. And they get the results. And they don't even know why I had what I had. My wife and I look back, maybe it's because they started me some medication a little bit early for the multiple myeloma while I just got out of surgery. You, you know what I mean? And uh, who knows? But all I know is a doctor came and said, did you cancel that trip to Africa? I said, well, I don't do everything you tell me. And she says, well, I think you can go if everything goes well. I said, good. I felt like the Lord told me I'm supposed to go. And, you know, can I just say, say this? When you're going through something like that, don't go to the Internet. Don't listen to people that have followed the Internet and read all the stuff they tell you what you got. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, then you start reading stuff and don't don't go there. I mean, people would tell me stuff that I read on the Internet, you know, like, I don't want to know. Well, you should be informed. I don't want to be informed. I want to be informed by what the word of God says. And during this time, let me tell you something. One of the words that God gave me is this is in Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I'm God. Okay, that means be still means be be striving. That's what it means. Be striving. Cease striving and know I'm God. That's what he's saying. Be still and know and, and know, not be still and feel. 
Be still, be still and know. Because sometimes we look for feelings. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. And sometimes that's all it can be when we need to be still and know that God is good. God is who he is. Listen, afflictions of the body, that's diseases. Afflictions of the soul, that's torments. Afflictions of the spirit, that's the enemy releasing demons and, and, and things in your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and see, it could be divorce, it could be disease, it could be death, it could be wars, etc. Whatever it is, God is greater than the circumstance. Where I can't fix, fix it in my own power as much as I can try, as much as you try. Come on. I have confidence that God can hold, hold it in his hands. And can I just tell you something? Right now, I've been cancer free. Right now, they can't find any cancer in my body for at least four months. Is that right, Trace, or is it wrong? Six months. Okay, six months. My wife's a truth teller. She'll tell me the truth. Six months. And so I always try to back off a little bit. But the Bible says it be still and not feel, but know I'm God. You know, I got out of I got out of the dark hole in the dark valley with something called this. And I want you to I want to talk to you about it today. And I'm not going to be long on it. It's called worship. Okay, I think of like Daniel when he was in the lions in the pit of the lions and he just worshiped God. Remember? You know, Darius comes back and he's, Daniel, Daniel, did you God save you? I'm here, king. He get that sucker out. And they threw the guys that threw him in the lion's pit into the pit. I think about David when he was running and he would find himself in a cave or a hole or whatever. He would cry out to God. Oh, God, where are you? How about Joseph when he was in the pit? His brothers threw him in the pit. I think, man, you know, and here's the thing. Our God, the Bible says this in, in Job chapter 35, verse 10. It says this, our God gives songs in the night. How do you get out of the darkness moments? The answer is this worship. Worship. What do you mean? Pastor? Worship changes everything. People help me. Doctors help me. Tracy helped me. You know, people prayed for me. And I believe prayer helped me. Are you hearing me? All those things helped me. But worship is the key. Why, would, why should we worship? Number one is worship changes the soundtrack of your circumstances. Now, I don't know about you. I, I grew up when we had eight tracks. Okay. I mean, I didn't have, you know, CDs and all that. And you had a tracks. I don't know if you remember that. They had track one, track two, track three, track four. But you couldn't get the exact song, but you can get back to the track. But if you had reverse on your, your Craig stereo system, you could get back to the song. But sometimes you'd have to wait to the next track. Are y'all with me? Y'all don't understand. Some of you, anybody 25 and younger, you're going, what, what is he talking about? Okay, track. Just trust me. You know, because see, see, in the medical dilemma here is a soundtrack. Doctor says, I have a couple of years left and I need to be on these meds. That's the soundtrack. Okay, are you hearing me? And the soundtrack is what you think about in the morning and at lunch and at night and right before you go to bed. And here's a song that you know that you might need to it might help you. It's a song I'm, 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 I help, it helped me. It says, be still my soul. There is a healer. You know, I would just, I would say death. I, I said, I believe in life and not death. 
Lord, I believe your life. I pray your life over me. Because see, here it is. We have the power to change the soundtrack by our worship, guys. You can change everything by your worship. What do you mean, Pastor? What are you getting your mind on? The second thing, worship reframes our circumstances. God, you know, puts, it puts God's mercy, His love, and His faithfulness around our circumstances. What do you mean? It doesn't fix our circumstances, but it frames our circumstances. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to frame your circumstances. See, I, you know, it's like God reframe this. You ever have a picture and you go, the frame looks old and you go, I got to reframe. The picture's good, but the frame looks bad. You got to reframe it. Because see, what happens is a lot of people put things in this box or in this frame and say, that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to happen. And you go, you know what? You know what? Worship reframes my You know what? It, these may be my circumstances, but you know what, God? I want you to reframe it for me. The third thing is this, is that worship puts God in view. That's what, and that's what we need when darkness falls. What do you mean? Circumstances, let me tell you what circumstances do. They conceal the face of God. Worship reveals God's face. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because what happens, circumstances blind you because you hear those voices, you see those things, and you go, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, that's what doctor said. And see, listen, there's some people that get healed, and there's some people that don't. But I believe that everybody gets healed. So when you get to heaven, there's no more, it's not there anymore. But can I tell you something? God gets the glory no matter what. Because, see, if I allow myself, if I begin to go worship, I reframe the picture. I'm just, just hear me out. And, then, and I put God in his place. I don't allow the circumstances to put me in its place. Then all of a sudden I go, wait a minute. I can see the face of God because, God, you're all I need. You're everything I need. Can I tell you something? There'd be nights that, I mean, I stopped taking some of the medicines. I mean, I just like, I ain't doing this anymore. I'm an ex-drug dude, all right? And, and it's like, I don't like to be, I, I like to be in my right mind. If you know what I'm talking about. I don't even like to go to the dentist and get gas. Get loopy, you know what I mean? And, and see, I, I believe the enemy will try to shut off your worship. When darkness falls, he, he, he can cut us off from the face of God. That's what happens. And that's what we need most. In the toughest times in our life, we need the face of God. I mean, there was moments when I lay in that hospital bed or in my bed and I was in pain and I was hurting it or, or, or just I would be beyond that. And the enemy would come. And I would just have tears coming down my eyes. God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die right now. I want to raise my kids. I mean, I had moments where I would sit down with one of my sons. Hey, if I ever die, this is what I want you to do with mama. This is what I want you to do with the boy, with Luke and Libby. I remember I had some of my hunting buddies. I told them, I said, listen, if, if I pass away, please, Luke has a passion to hunt. Take him hunting for me. I mean, all that stuff. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I was allowing my circumstances. And see, can I just tell you something? The, the next thing, worship displaces worry. You cannot worship and worry at the same time. Man, I'm praising the Lord, but man, mama, she, oh. Pay them bills, but oh, yeah. One displaces the other. 
out of your mouth can come faith, come on, and fear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But see, the way you, the way to have, the way to, the way to have worry stop coming out of your mouth is you start worshiping out of your mouth. That's what you got to do. The Bible, you know, it's whatever comes out of your mouth. It's from your heart. Hello. Okay, let me ask you, how many of you have worry, how many of you worry sometimes? Some, well, Pastor, I'm not going to raise my hand. You just talked about it. How many have anxiety sometimes? How many have fears sometimes? Come on, is it okay? How many have doubts? Okay. Well, he can do that for everybody. And then sometimes we go, well, God's going to do it for everybody else, but not me. You ever feel that way? Oh, they're a special person. People go, oh, Pastor Bubba, is your faith. Listen, man, I met people that got more faith than I do. They live more holy, treat their wife better, treat their kids better. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Treats their dogs better, their cat. I hope cats are from the devil, but anyway. Anyway, I don't want to go into that. The way that you have to worship, it's got to come out of me. I see either our fear will cripple our worship. I wrote this down. Either our fear will cripple our worship or our worship will cripple our out fear. You see, that's the power of worshiping God in darkness. You see, the next one, worship displays darkness. It dispels darkness. It, 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 it dispels it. When God created the world, he said, let there be what? He made, he made, when, when there was, the earth was void and God spoke light. We know that when Jesus was born, the, the, around the manger, there was illumination. The star pointed. I mean, you know, and the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, right? He is the light. And so, you know, our worship lights our circumstances and dispels darkness. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? It's like when you're walking in the dark and you don't see what's in front of you, it's good to have light. I had this little flashlight. I put it on the, the, the bill of my hat. And I can turn it right here. And it illuminates everything in front of me. And so I can walk. I'm walking in the light. You understand what I'm saying? I, I go, I, when, I, when we go to hunt and we get the, 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 the four-wheeler out and then I have that a combination. And, you know, it's good to have the light because if I don't have the light, we're not going anywhere in the four-wheeler. Are you hearing me? There's illumination and it lights it up. And see, the next thing, our worship breeds hope. Worship reminds us of God's past faithfulness. Has God been faithful in your life? But see, here's what the devil wants to do. He wants to give you amnesia. You ever notice that? In our circle, it's hard to recall all the times that God's been faithful. We're just so enamored. We're so surrounded by our circumstances right now. We forget of God's faithfulness in the past. Well, what God had done is if God saved you, my gosh. See, worship reminds us of our past, of God's past. That, that is the seedbed. See, that's the seedbed from which God can give us a comeback moment. You know, it's a seedbed. It's, it's hope, having hope. God, if you did it for them, you can do it for me. Can I just tell you, I never prayed that God would heal me. I prayed for the healing power of God to touch me. But I said, God, your will be done. And I'm standing up here and can I tell you something? I'm standing here because there's the glory of God. 
I want him to get the glory because there's nothing. I, I can eat right. I can do things right. My, you know, I can do a bunch of other things right. Those are my responsibility to do some things right, change some things. I felt like the Lord spoke to me one night, one day with my best friend. He said, Bubba, what does God want you to do? I go, I don't know what God wants me. I've been praying all this other, but what God, what do you want me? And I felt like the Lord told me, I want you to start eating right, Bubba. Do you eat right? I'll, I'll heal you. Dang, that sounds good to me. Because you know what? Before all that, I mean, people go, you need to eat this. You need to do a spinach diet. You need to eat kale. I hate kale. It's from hell. <laughs> My wife goes, the number one cancer fighter. I go, what's number two? <laughs> I'll eat number two, but I don't want one. Okay? I mean, I can't stand kale. Well, we can do it. I've had people, oh, you mix it up in a drink. and oh, I don't want it. I can taste it. You won't tell. I will. Because see, can I tell you something? For you and I, we have a responsibility. God, no matter what we in our circumstances, here's a question. What's your choice going to be? Are you going to worship? Are you going to, the Bible says, you look up for your redeemer draws near. I believe this. We need to be looking up because God's looking down to help us somehow. But when we got our eyes on our circumstances, we're walking in the dark. We can't see what we're doing. How many, ever, how many ever walked in the dark and tried to get somewhere and found a door? Dang. Oh, man. That didn't feel good. But see, here's the thing. When you allow God to be your, the light of your life, he's going to show you. How many believe God still speaks? God speaks through our circumstances. God speaks through people. God speaks through his word. God speaks through others in our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how God speaks. I was talking to my friend in England, Matt Murray. He goes, Pastor Bubba, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to preach when you come? I'm doing this study and we're going to do this. And I said, well, I'm going to talk about how to hear the voice of God. He goes, that might help. I said, it should. <laughs> we all need to know the voice of God. Amen. Worship repels the enemy when divorce comes, when we blow it and, you know, do stupid things. Anybody ever do something stupid before? Come on, you blow it, said something you shouldn't have said, told someone what you, you felt like you needed to tell them, but it really wasn't what you really needed to say. Come on. Or you just blew it. You just cussed. You've been trying to work on that cussing and someone cut in front of you and you go all oh, blank. I was at a, a life group the other night, and we were doing something, and one of the ladies, you know, we're talking about it, and she just said a cuss word real loud. Ah, blank. And everybody went. It was kind of like, wow, okay. But she was real, okay? She's not religious. Can I tell you something? When you blow it, when you mess up, when you do something wrong, can I just tell you something? The enemy arrives on time. To attack our mind and our heart in the darkness, he attacks us. Amen? Just at the right time. See, I love what Philippians says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. How I many want the peace of God? Then he says, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, in this moment, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be still and know your God. That's what the word of God said. Be still. 
God, you're God. You are as much, can I say, you are as much God before all these circumstances came. You're the God that was with me before the circumstances showed up. Amen? Because we go like, God, where were you? He was there. So I'm going to trust you in this moment. The peace of God is going to, this is what it says. Let the peace of God is going to guard my thoughts and my emotions. How many know our thoughts can run rapid sometimes? Rampant, I mean. Just like go way out. There's thoughts that, let me me tell you, there's thoughts that leave no room for God. That's worry, anxiety, fear. And those thoughts lead to sin. You know that, that, Fear is a sin. How many didn't know fear was a sin? To walk in fear is a sin. Because that's saying, I trust, my circumstances are bigger than my God. And see, what happens is, are y'all with me? I'm on the right campus this morning. All right, just want to know. I'm going to trust you. And then the peace of God is going to trust my, and how about emotions? Whoo. Anybody emotional in here? Listen, between me and my wife, I'm the emotional one. She's the steady one. I'm like, (laughs) she's like, no, you need to do this and this and this. There's nothing wrong with that. Just the way we're wired. You know, we've looked, sometimes I'm the woman, she's the man. Sometimes you go, you know, you need to be strong. And I don't want to be strong. (laughs) Come on, man up. I'm trying. Anyway. It didn't go, it, it, we've never done that, but it, it feel that way. If my emotions run rampant, I, can I just be real this morning? Can I tell you, our worship welcomes Jesus. You know what the Bible says? God inhabits the praises of his people. Can I just say something? You got to build a place. You got to build Jesus a place to worship. If if you if you want God in your circumstances, don't curse him. Build him a throne and worship him. Build him a place where he can be seated and be worshipped. What we need most is not a comeback, but a connection in our relationship with Jesus. Guys, through all the circumstances, can I tell you something? One thing I realized, and one thing I just needed to come back, I needed a greater connection to my God. Well, you're a pastor, so what? Well, you've been serving the Lord 35 years, so what? Can I just tell you something? All of us need a connection of an intimate relationship with Jesus. And if we build him a place, we build him a seat and say, God, sit right here. And I want to worship you. I want to honor you. See, if, 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 that, if, if what, that connection, worship is the way to restore a relationship. It just is. You see, you know what we need most in our, our comeback? A connection to Jesus that's powerful and that's strong. How many believe in the power of God? Look at me. I want to tell you something. I believe in the power. I believe that God works miracles. 
I believe that God can do anything. I believe that God can. You know what? The Bible says that one day we'll stand before rulers and God. He said, don't worry what you're going to say. He said, I'll put my words. I'll put my life. But let me tell you something. But if you're in the word and you allow in the life and the light of Jesus to come into your heart and in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you get in circumstances. Guess what's going to happen? And you go, God, I depend upon you. I've been worshiping you. God's going to show up and he's going to show up right through you. See, some of you go, well, man, you don't know the people I work with. Why don't you be someone that works on your relationship with Jesus and you change your workplace? Don't allow them to influence you. Why don't you be an influence? Because I've worked, listen, I've had jobs, I've had things. You know, I had people, like, I used to go pick up a guy in Welsh all the time. His name was, uh, let me think about it, it was Richard, I can't think his first name. But he was always, you know, hey, put that Bible under the seat. We're going to pull out the Playboys today. I'm like, the heck with you. Oh, you're going to speak tongues to me today? I mean, he would taunt me. And I said, no, I'm going to lay hands on you and cast the devil out of you before I beat you. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just, and it's like, I didn't tell him that. I want to tell him that, but anyway. Worship in the dark because it preaches truth. What do you mean, Pastor? We must build, you must build Jesus a place to worship. Psalm says this, listen to this. This is Psalms 43. This is great. This is all of us. Why am I discouraged? You ever feel that way? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him. And again, my Savior and my God. We're so good at preaching to other people, aren't we? But when we get in our hole, we forget everything we told everybody else. I can be the best pastor. I can call you. I mean, hey, man, look, I'm coming to meet you. I'm going to tell you, but you need to get rid of this, this, and this is how you do it. One, two, three. And then, you know, we're going to follow up on you. We're going to make sure that all that. But can I tell you, you get yourself in a hole, you forget about all of that. Are you hearing what I mean? I mean, you can't even preach to yourself. Worship allows us to preach to ourselves again. You ever feel stressed, pressed, and depressed? I'm going to say it again. Stress, pressed, and depressed. Oh, me, oh, my. You got to get out. In order to get out of that, you got to preach truth to yourself. My wife told me there would be times when I would be out, she would hear me quoting the word of God in my dreams when I was struggling. Literally. I mean, she start praying, oh, you know, oh, God, you know. I mean, I don't know, but I, re- I just remember. But thank God for that. But here's the last thing. Re- worship restores our soul. When Jesus announced his ministry, he quoted a scripture. Isaiah 61. I'm going to read it. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what Jesus when, he, when they gave him the law and he went into the temple where he was from, his hometown, he says, he said, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of, of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise 
for the spirit of heaviness. You ever have that spirit of heaviness get on you? Spirit, you know what spirit of heaviness is? is let me tell you what, it's loneliness, it's depression, it's doom, dread, fear, worry, anxiety. That's what the spirit of heaviness is. But God says he gives us a garment of praise. Sometimes we've got to put it on. I'm, I'm going to put on the garments of praise. You know, just like the prodigal, when he came back, what did the father do? He put a ring on his finger. You know what I mean? Put, put some shoes on his feet and give him a robe. Give him the best robe. Because what what, it's a picture of this. Listen, the ring represented authority. My authority as a son. You know that we are sons and daughters and God has given us authority? Shoes represented that you were a free person. Because the only person that had shoes were people that were free. And the robe represented the robe of grace. Because what he did is he covered him. I mean, aren't you glad God covers our sins, covers our weaknesses, covers all our past? Aren't you glad for that? Because we could do a video and go, hey, we're going to show what Joe did this week. No, we'd be running, breaking, throwing rocks, everything else. You know, what I mean? don't show that. God gives us a spirit. God gives us a garment of praise. Over the spirit, we have to store our soul. I love what Psalm says. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And I love what it's for his namesake. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Listen, I mean, I mean, think about it. I fear no evil. For you are with me. Can I just say this? Everything I've walked through, I felt God with me. I might be, I might be faithless, but God has remained faithful. And see, if you're in a hole, if you're in a pit, if you're in a valley, can I encourage you today to take up the song in the night? Sing it until you're standing in the light again. You see, when you're getting ready to sleep, close down social media and Netflix, your drug of choice that helps you cope and inject and, and, and inject anointed worship into the into your question, into your equation, into your moments. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, get some Carrie Job, get some sons and daughters and all those other. I mean, get some anointed music. Don't get some of that funky music, you know, and, and I mean, get some. Anointed, I mean, that's what my son Zach did. He put me some music together and I'd listen to that in the mornings and I'd walk, I'd walk around the neighborhood and just worship God. Let God put a play, play, a playlist together for you. Let him do that. Press on. Don't quit until you step into the light. See what we want to do is we quit and we get discouraged and we get down. And I don't see anything. So what? Seeing's not believing. Faith is not seeing. Hello? And sometimes we want to see. If I see, I got faith. God said, no, no, no. Walk with me. Let me hold your hand. Let me exchange this, <laughs> this heaviness. Just take my hand. I'm going to restore your soul. 
Press on, don't quit. This is not a one-day thing. (laughs) It's not a one-day thing. It's a journey. Can I just tell you something? Look at me. I want to be honest with you. The cloud is still in the distance for me. Can I tell you something? Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh. I know what my thorn in the flesh is. Hearing that word cancer. It's my thorn in my flesh. It's a thing that I have to be concerned about sometimes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I like to tell you it never leaves me. I mean, it's left me. I'm just totally. No, it doesn't. Because I was with a guy this week and he was telling me about his daddy and then. You know, he died of cancer. And then I don't know if you know that Billy Navarre and Lake Charles just died of leukemia, which is a form of cancer. And so and when I meet people that have cancer, I, I don't, I'm not the same anymore. I'm emotional. I want to get close to them. I want to pray with them. I want to encourage them like I'm trying to encourage you this morning. You know, so but you have to be you have to be prepared in the light to know what to do in the dark. Look at me. Darkness will come. Can I just tell you the truth? Discouragement will come. The spirit of depression will come. Feeling pressed will come. But can I tell you something? Your Savior will come too. He's strong. He's mighty. He's able to deliver. And I love what it says. He's able to deliver to the uttermost, from the guttermost, whatever it is. You see, I believe this. I, I think we, we need to be in touch with our weaknesses so, that, so Jesus can demonstrate that he's sufficient, even in my weakness. See, my weakness is this. I can't change anything that's going on in my body. There's things I can do about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think we need to be in touch with that because I, I just know that God wants to demonstrate his incredible ability to touch our lives. Look at me. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Some of you go, well, you don't know what my marriage is like. No, I don't. But Jesus does. You go, well, you know, you don't know. I mean, you don't know the man I'm, I'm living with. No, I don't. But God does. And don't get your eyes so clouded on the man that God gave you because he was cursed. Because at one time you were madly in love with him. Hello. Maybe what you need is revival in your marriage. Sir, you go, well, she just don't treat me like the way she used to treat me. Well, are you treating her the way you used to treat her? I always tell guys this is, you know, whatever it took to get her, you need to maintain that to keep her. Maybe you got a bad report. Maybe you're feeling something in your body. You don't want to go to the doctor because you're fearful that it could be something. Maybe you're here this morning and you go, you know, Pastor Bubba, you don't know my circumstances and what I've walked through. Can I just tell you something? I don't. I don't know what the darkness that you're walking in, but can I just tell you? Or maybe there's things that you're hiding. You go, if I expose some of these things, people think that I'm, just a terrible person. Like I said earlier, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are dead on the inside alive. And my greatest desire, and Pastor Jamie and Cheryl's greatest desire is this, that you walk out of here with freedom in your heart. 
You're not bound by religion, but you're, you're bound by a relationship. Then you wake up every day and go, God, today I make a decision. I make a choice. I'm going to love you. You know, when, my, when I leave the house, come here, baby. When I leave the house, many more, most mornings, I'll just look at her and I'll go, how are you doing today? And she'll just say, well, she's walked through some physical things. Because can I tell you something? Even though I've had the grace to walk through this, she doesn't have the same grace. You understand what I'm saying? And she's walked through things. I mean, can I, I'll be really honest with you. In the midst of all of us walking through this, our fourth son, he's got caught stealing, robbing a house. Going to a rehabilitation center, doing incredible, then going back to this stuff. And right now, he's in the midst of just living his life. Has no direction. Breaks our heart. Do you understand me? You don't know the pressure. And me as a man, that my responsibility is to love this wife that God has given me. She's my greatest gift on earth. Are you hearing me? Many mornings, she'll tell me what's going on, and I'll just say, Lord, I just pray you just touch her. Lord, you touch her physically. God, you touch her mind, her heart. Even on the way here this morning, I just said, Tracy, would you just pray for me? i got to share my story. And it's really, like I said, it's not my story. It's God's story. Amen? Thank you, baby. Y'all give it up for my wife. It's God's story. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? God can make your life his story. And your story can bring glory to God. You believe that? Because it's not about feelings. How I many of you know you don't wake up every morning feeling like you love your mate? Especially when they look at you and go, hello, good morning. Oh, Jesus, brush your teeth. You know what I mean? That's, not, that's, that's me. When I do that to her, go, you need to go brush. Like, I've even told my little girl at night, good night, baby, I love you. She goes, Daddy, you need to go brush your teeth. As your pastor, let me just say this. You need to walk in the light. You need to pursue the light. I can lead you to the light. But here's your choice. You can stay in darkness. Or you can go, God. Here I am. I don't know where to start, but I just say, I love you. I worship you. You're mighty. You're strong. You're able to deliver. There's no weapon formed against me that's going to prosper. Lord, I thank you for your life. And Lord, I don't, I don't embrace death. I embrace your life. I embrace your healing power and your grace in my life. Amen? Listen, if you need a touch from God this morning, no matter what it is, we're not, I'm not going to judge anybody. And I want you to do this. If you need a touch from God, you've just been walking through uh, just, a, just a long trial test. It seems like you've been in a funk. Uh, the Bible says it's called a stupor. You just feel like, man, I've just been in a stupor, Pastor Bella. If that's you this morning, you can all keep your eyes open. We're going to do something different. Than one. If you need a touch from God this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet right now. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead with you. You can leave the lights on. We're going to leave the light on. Come on. This is the light. Come on. Come on. 
How many of you say, I need a touch? Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being real. You say, I need a touch from God this morning. I don't want to walk out of here the same. I want to walk out of here. I want, I want the power of God to touch me. I want His strength in my life. I don't want to keep listening to the lies and allow my circumstances to dictate what I do and the decisions I make. I want the power of my salvation to touch me. I need God's cleansing in my life. I need that more than I've ever needed before. If that's you, just stand to your feet. I believe there's more. Come on, just stand. This is God. This is between. This is in between me and you. And the success of my message is not how many people stand up today. It's whether or not you say, "God, here I am." You know what I need. You're my. I want you to be my everything. I need that touch. Just lift your hands to heaven. I'm just going to pray for you this morning. Just lift your hands. Let's all stand. Come on, let's all stand. Father, I thank you. I thank you for everyone that stood this morning. And Lord, we're standing this morning with our hands lifted up. God is a sign of surrender. We can't do this. We can't fix ourselves. We've tried so many times. We can look so dignified on the outside, but on the inside, no one knows the pain. No one knows what we walk through. No one knows our circumstances, but you, God, you alone. We can't hide from you. We can't put the mask on. We can't put a front on because you see us. And Lord, you're like a good father. You've longed for us to come to this moment to say, God, I need you. Oh, Father, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And God, the, the greatest prayer we can pray this morning right now is just help me, God. Help me. God, I'm reminded of the thief on the cross. As he hung on the cross. He just said these two words. Remember me. And God, that's how we feel sometimes. Just remember me. God, do you remember me? Do you remember my circumstances? Do you remember what I'm walking through? Do you remember my prayers? And Lord, you just, you just spoke to him says today. You'll be in paradise with me. Father, it just goes to show that in the moment of our own trashiness and our own trash and all the junk we walk through, you remember us and that you will walk with us and be with us. You will never leave us, the Bible says, and you'll never forsake us. And so, Lord, we we cast down our cares. We cast down our worries. And, Lord, we give them to you this morning. We just hand them to you. And Lord, right now, we just take on your strength, your ability. What we cannot do ourselves, we trust you to do for us. Just reach across and just grab someone's hand this morning. Just all across here. Just just hold hands right here. I just want to pray for this church. Lord, I thank you for our Savior's church, Eunice. Lord, I thank you for the leadership of Jamie and Cheryl and the leaders that are here. Lord, I pray your protection. I pray, Lord, I thank you. I believe the word for this church is that, Lord, there there may be moments of darkness, but the light is going to come like it's never come before. It's going to be stronger than it's ever been. 
It's going to go beyond our thinking and our ability to comprehend. That God, you're going to begin to touch people that we never thought would ever be touched. God, you're starting with us this morning. We can sense your presence. We sense you, Holy Spirit, in this place. That you would strengthen us. You would empower us. For what? To see people come and that we would be able to minister to them. They would receive that same power, that same grace, that same ability to be overcomers in you. Lord, I don't pray you would just send people. I pray you would send people that want to work for your kingdom. I pray that you would send people that have a heart for your kingdom. I pray that you would send people that have a heart for their family and their loved ones and people in this area, in this region. And Lord, this was, this church would be a light in this community like it's never been before. This community needs a light. And I pray that you would allow this, this church, these people, to be the light in this community. Say, I believe that all that God has for me, I believe it. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Say so.